Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show in store, one y'all have been requesting for always. So I am thrilled about today's show. And before we get started, I want to tell you about one of our incredible partners, Crew. It probably goes without saying, but here I am saying it anyways. Reading the Bible is so important to me. If you've been following me through 2021, you know I've been doing the Bible in a year, and I am always blown away by the new things I learn, even in passages I feel like I've read a hundred times. But imagine for a second that you couldn't get a Bible, like you couldn't afford one or couldn't just hop on Amazon and have one sent to your house. Take it one step further and imagine that you aren't even allowed to have one. Honestly, sometimes we forget that there are so many people all around the world who simply can't get a Bible. And that's why we're thrilled to partner with Crew. Crew is one of the largest evangelical organizations in the world with over 25,000 missionaries in almost every country. Crew is giving Bibles to people in their own heart language and sharing the hope of Jesus all around the globe. But here's where they need our help. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. And when you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21, as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry. And you'll get a free copy of my book. That sounds fun. Simply text FUN to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text FUN. F-U-N to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash fun. Today on the show, you guys, okay, listen, here's what. There are some people y'all ask me to have on the show all the time. And Abner and Amanda from Johnny Swim are the top of that list. And I adore them. They actually met right here in Nashville in 2005, started writing songs together. And they just released their first book called Home Sweet Road, Finding Love, Making Music, and Building a Life One City at a Time earlier this summer. It's a gorgeous book. Y'all are absolutely going to love it. The words are amazing. The pictures are beautiful. There's recipes and poetry. Anyway, I loved it. I read it front to back, and I absolutely loved it. And remember, they have TV series now as part of the Magnolia Network launched on Discovery. Plus, and they're awesome. Y'all, I could not love these people more. I'm so happy they're on the show today. So here's my conversation with my favorite and your favorite, Johnny Swim. Here's the thing I need to tell y'all, Abner and Amanda, there isn't anyone people stalk me about having on the podcast like Johnny Swim. Yay, stalkers! stalkers. We love stalkers stalkers out there. Thank you. Your people are relentless, yeah. and I'm tired of it. So yeah, this is. Well, I'll tell you the real, real is we wanted y'all to do. Um, this is some making of the sausage right. story, but we we originally. Yeah, sorry about it. Story. In 2020, we had a live show in 2020 before COVID. We had a live show in LA, and I wanted y'all to be live oh, with. Me. We were on tour. We're- there was nothing. We were nothing. Oh, Everybody was at oh, home because it was 2020. Gotcha. Yeah. COVID canceled everything. And so in our what the what your stalker fans don't know is that we've tried <laughs> 54 <laughs> times to get you on the show for and our schedules yeah. don't work. And then we tried to have you live yeah. and then COVID well, killed here it. So we hey, here we for are. Such a time as this, young ladies. Right. Such a time mm, as this. Listen, <laughs> won't he do it? Won't he do it? <laughs> Listen, I need us to talk about how how much you left Nashville. You left Nashville, and you talk about it so much it's, in your uh, book, how much you loved leaving Nashville. <laughs> Nashville is uh, is like the nephew that you you said bye to, you leave for college, and you come back, and he's like the cool kid. 
You left and there's like the dorky kid in like boots. <laughs> yeah. And now everybody's like, we're here. We're in LA. I, I'm learning to fly airplanes right now. And so I'm in with my one of my partners for sure. Are you and I'll really? talk about it the whole time. So that's I'm gonna why, move past that's it. why he was late. No, don't say that. That's not why. <gasps> we rescheduled so you can fly a plane. I respect that so hard, Abner. I'm all the way here for it. I'm all the way here for I'm it. I'm obsessed. Why, why did I bring up flying an airplane? Why did I bring up flying an airplane? Nashville. So I'm flying. Nashville. And I'm like so excited. This is a dream come true. I'm flying an airplane. I'm with my instructor. And so sometimes, you know, you're flying, you're coasting, you're heading to a place to practice a thing. And uh, in that way, there's small talk. And so my instructor, uh, this particular instructor is from London, lives in Los Angeles. And he's like, man, you know, and he just says to me, I don't know, he's like, my wife and I are really trying to move to Nashville. I visited once and it's just like the best city I've ever been to. And I was like, can I just, can I just stop you real quick um, before I need you to fly this plane? Because I'm going to, I'm going to pass out. You are from London, live in Los Angeles. And Nashville is the coolest place you've ever been to. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely like the uh, the, the mm-hmm. nerdy nephew that outgrew you. But but even for me, I mean, what I live, I went to high school and college in Nashville. I moved away, and then around the time I met him, I moved back to Nashville. And I remember living in New York and being like, "Yes, I'm going to Nashville this weekend." Like even back then, before that was before it got cool. You know what I mean? When it yeah, y'all were way yeah, OG. Like when the yeah. Green Hills Grill, shout out to Green Hills Grill, OG Green Hills Grill. Green Hills Grill! Grill. Back open. It, it's back. back. I went, I like, when y'all come to town, we're like, going. It is. Yeah. It, it's not quite the same as it used to be when it was, you in know. Green Hills. No, ma'am. It used to be. But. No, there's one in Cool Springs. Hills. There's one in Cool Springs. No, there was. Oh, no, that, that was. No. No. Okay. You're, I'm wrong. you're misinformed. Sorry. Anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about. There was like there was two restaurants. You know, you went to Macaroni Grill, you went to Jay Alexander's, you went to Green Hills Grill. Back in those days, oh, I was sure. still like, yeah. I want to be in Nashville. But then, you know, there came a time where also where it was like, we're not supposed to be here. Yeah. And it, it was just a very obvious, like, yeah. we've got to go somewhere. We try not um, to be like weirdo mystical yeah. folks. But there's, I mean, we're on a spinning rock that somehow the spinning of this rock as it travels through the universe keeps her feet on the ground and things grow and there's life and there's love. So things are maybe more mystical than we in our daily life give them the credit for. I'll never forget when we were in Nashville and we both hated L.A., both of us. I'd only been a couple times. Mm-hmm. She was born here and lived here for a while and had visited a bunch. And we were both kind of, in, we were really into journaling at the time, which we haven't done. I think having three kids keeps yeah. you from journaling. Um, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. It has me. And I remember we both within like a few days of each other, I think she was out of town as well. We were kind of like having our quiet times and just writing our thoughts down. And I remember seeing your journal and I had written something similar in mine, but in, she showed me in the corner of her journal, she wrote, what's this about LA? Question mark. And we had both decided mm. we were never going to move to LA, but we both got this sense that we had grown as much as we were going to grow where we were and that we needed to plant in a new, in new ground, if you will. To, uh, to get that next season of growth. Yeah. And so we moved to LA without, with I think we had like $25 to our name. We lived with family. And really the uh, Nashville claimed us more after we left than we, when we were there. We love it. We love it. We love Nashville. Please. Hey, listen, I'm all here for this mystic talk because I think the Lord is always trying to show us more yeah. Easter eggs and we're paying it. attention I love to. a good Easter egg. I love a good Easter egg. Okay, so let's jump. One of the things y'all say in your book, which if our friends haven't gotten the book, Home Sweet Road, I mean, I read the whole thing and I, I can't loved you it. Sorry. I need y'all to know that I did. And I 
love it. I mean, the way y'all go back and forth. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. It's amazing. <laughs> it's very good. But the part where you say we are rivers yeah. and not lakes. Will you talk what both of you kind of talk about that? the Because that's yeah. mystical to me. Like I had this moment where I stopped on that page where you're telling the story of that. And I went like, oh, that explains nine things that's going on in my life right now. I think there's always this fear, I think, with money, with creativity. Uh, you see it all the time, especially kind of our come up was in Nashville. And the difference in the creative communities in Nashville, L.A. and New York at that time, and I can't really speak to it now as much, all these kids grinding, right? In L.A., everybody wants to be famous. In New York, everybody mm-hmm. wants to be successful. In Nashville, everybody wants to be great. They just want to be great. That was the, yes, the three right. songwriter communities. Yeah, we really good. always, we always dove into Nashville. Thing. And I think there's always, there was this talk, especially when you're young, of like, are you nervous? And I think it, it happens when you're young and then when you've had a little bit of success. Are you nervous that you've written your best song? Are you nervous that your best moment of creativity is behind you? And that's a real genuine fear. And there was this realization. It, the whole Rivers and Lakes thing came up because of money, really. There was this super rich guy, whatever, you know, and I always hate listening to rich people talk about money because they make it sound easy, but they never give me any. <laughs> so like, yeah. money and then tell me about how easy that was to give me the money. Yeah, yeah let me prove that. it. Let me prove it. <laughs> but he would talk about, you know, people, he, he, this one particular guy, I cannot remember who he is. He was like, I remember I was, I was just hoarding my dollars. All my doll hairs were just being hoarded. Mm-hmm. I want to have more of it. And I want to grow. Yep. I want to grow. I want to grow. And it was the least amount of financial growth I've ever had in my life is when I hoarded my finances. When I found things to give to, yes. whether philanthropically or people to invest into or whatever. When I when I realized that I was a river, that my finances were like a river, not a lake. And just like a lake or a pond that has kind of grosser stuff in it, it gets a film on it. I don't know if you've ever been to some of these lakes in like Central and South America where the sewage just dumps down to it. And I, I've swam in them as a kid. And that's, you like just go, lot, you go, you go hip deep into the <laughs> nasty soil and the lake. Oh. And then you go into a river and there's new life. There's refreshing. The water's cooler. There's, there's so much more growth in, of like healthy things, whatever. He said that it really flipped a switch in me for creativity and for life and for finances and all that stuff that we haven't just been given one talent to bury into the ground and then whenever we have to show a report yes. of it, be like, see, it's right there. We did the right thing. We did the safe thing. Yeah. I love that we're constantly as humans being called into adventure. And the adventure isn't just to go see something new, even though it is sometimes, or to go do something new, which it is sometimes. The adventure is also to trust that what you have isn't going to fail you. What you have is enough for what's ahead mm. of you. And that's really what we talk about when we, uh, when we think about being rivers, not lakes, don't just store up till you have enough to do the thing you thought of doing. You got enough right now to make that first step forward. Yeah. And it frees you up to be generous. You know? yeah. Generous with your creativity, generous obviously with your money, generous with your time. It frees you to be generous and not feel like you have to hoard things when you go, I'm a river now, like there's more coming in where that came from. There's not like, there's not like God doesn't have a cup where he's like, you get this much, you know, that's it. You used up like we're rivers and lakes. There's more coming to us. So that means we can give more. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely like a, a life motto, but he said it all better. So I'm going to show it now. <laughs> no, I didn't. I just said it louder. No, he definitely said it louder. I, can, I, I was can very good. <laughs> um, we're going to really dive into friendship because I'm going to tell y'all stuff like we're not recording. I mean, yes. last week when I was on vacation, one of the things that the Lord said to me, the clearest is, you know, enough, wow. you know, enough to make the next step. Wow. Cause I was, I was wanting, Everything. I was wanting all the way down right. the river and the Lord was like, you can, you know enough. And so literally, I'm going to show y'all on the background of my phone, wow. you know enough. Wow. I mean, I'm just like living yeah. by wow. it, right? Like I've got, an, I, I see enough of right. the river. 
I know enough. And so, so talk to our friends who are listening, who are thinking, but, but we hear you, Amanda and Abner, but our money is running out or that relationship just ended that I thought wasn't going to end, or we just lost another pregnancy or my, my, I'm a pastor at a church and it's not going right. Like, what do we say to people who aren't loving the river? That's so good. Well, specifically with the money, the money thing, um, the first thing I thought of was when we were first married and we were so, 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 so broke. I had $14 on our wedding day. That's so broke. My total value. So I feel that one specifically. I feel that one specifically. And I remember, you know, we moved to LA and we were like, all right, this is it. We're going to move to LA. Things are going to click. Like we're finally going to get somewhere with our career. We're finally going to, like, we're going to, we're going to get somewhere. That's a good word. And uh, we got here and like literally nothing happened. And we didn't have furniture and we didn't have money. And we had to ask our friends to help us with light bills quite often. Literally. Um, No, literally we had friends over when the power got cut off that would pay our power bill for us. Yeah, we talk about it in the book. Um, But one of the, one of the things I remember in that season a, we learned contentment in all things. Like it was like, okay, all of this stuff is wow. going wrong, but look at the things we can be grateful for right underneath our nose. And there were so many things and it allowed us to like train ourselves. I feel like you do have to train yourself. Actually, I think it's scientific. I'm going to say it's scientific because I think I saw it on a TikTok, which means <laughs> it's scientific. But you know, you train yeah. yourself to see That's right. whatever, whatever you focus on, your brain sees more of. If you're focusing on the color red, you see more red. If you're focusing on things that are good, you're going to see more good. If you're focusing on things that are bad or that are depressing, you're going to see more bad things that are depressing. Um, and for us in that season of contentment, one of the things that we felt like the Lord spoke to us was money is easy for me. The thing that you want, the thing that you feel mm. like you're fighting for, that is easy for me. The things that are more valuable than that thing you want is the patience, is the contentment, is the ability to to have gratitude and all things. Those are the things that are hard that money cannot buy, that nobody can actually force you to learn unless you sit here and learn it yourself. So I'm going to give you the stuff that's important. In this season, you get the honor of getting the valuable thing, even though the thing that you think is valuable is still paying a buy. So I would say focus uh, this, and this comes from a children's book that we love specifically, and it's called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. (gasps) And that oh, horse, man. I got three different people gave it to me it for my birthday. So I, I, I listen to the audiobook. Sit with a cup of tea and some tea. <gasps> the audiobook is, have is you listened to, to me it? even better. No. just It's just, it's beautiful. Like we bought it for our kids. We were driving. Yeah. We were driving up to Lake Arrowhead, like in the middle of the pandemic. We rented a house up in the mountains because we were just trying to get out. And we were like, let's put this audiobook on. And Abner and I were crying. And our son, like our son Joaquin was six, was like, this is beautiful. I was like, I yeah. know. Well, one of the things he says that when, when the world seems crazy, when things feel out of control, when they seem too big, you know, the little boy asks, I think the horse, you know, what do you do or the mole? And the answer was, you look at the little things that you're grateful for right under your nose and you focus on those things. And that for us was like, you know, especially in the pandemic where our tours got shut down, everything's a mess. It was like, ah, that's, that is the thing to focus on the little things right under your nose. To echo the echo of Amanda's echo. Yeah. I thank you. I did um, kind of double echo. <laughs> when we first moved here again, we were super poor, no, super broke, beautiful. had no no trajectory in career. There was no, nothing was happening. We moved here completely as an act of faith. And there was a pastor that was really close to us, that is still really close to us. Uh, kind of a prophetic voice into our life. Somebody who prayed for us, prayed over us. Like from the time we first met, like actually before I met him. Yeah. I've actually known known him. His name is Pastor Dan Fesser. I've known him since I was a little girl. He was like a, a very close friend of my parents. And so he's wow. been with us kind of like our whole journey. Pastor Dan was in town. We were kind of at the bottom of the barrel. We were like completely not enjoying our ride down the river. And he said, I got, a word. I got something for mm-hmm. you. God, the Lord spoke to me about you specifically. I'm so excited. 
let's let's meet up. Mm. I'm gonna take you to lunch, and you know we're gonna tell you about it. I'm gonna tell you this this word of the Lord for you, whatever. And uh, we get in the car, and I'm actually taking him to the airport by the time he tells us. He's like, all right. So God told me that in this season, and I was ready for him to say, in this season, success is coming. You're gonna make money. You're gonna have a song that sends you into the stratosphere. Career is gonna really blast yeah. off. All this stuff. He said, in this season, you are gonna learn contentment. And I remember sitting there and being like, that's not what I want to hear. And I said that, it's not what I want to hear. Because I mean, I'm telling you, it's better news than you think. Right. And in that season, we made no more money. In that season, we had no launch in our career. In that season, we were the happiest we've been in our entire lives. We pull in this season where we've got two TV shows, a book out, we're about to tour, a new album. We feel like we're on the path that we've, that we've wanted. We have the at bat, you know, you can't ask yeah. for home runs, but you can ask to step up to the plate. We're at the plate and we get a chance to, to do something with, hmm. with the talents and the opportunities and the energy that we have. In this season, we're still drawing from that broke, sightless, perspectiveless season. Because in that season, there was a well wow. dug in us of contentment, of true joy, of happiness that so often we find ourselves in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the, the, the beautiful busyness centering ourselves back in something that we discovered in the saddest because we lost both our parents in that season. We lost her mom and my dad in that season. Yeah. In the, the least uh, career fulfilling, the most broke we've been, we are drawing today from that season because it was that good. And it didn't feel great at the time. No. No. No, it did not. <laughs> that is such a word. That is such a word. I mean, that is like reminding us that what we are gaining when in, in the hard days, in the dark nights of the soul, we will still care about when we have right. the That's thing it. we think we right. want. And it, and it will probably be the thing that still is more, more valuable to you, you know? Never, this is going to get a little dark. More but valuable. Fantastic. Whatever. Here we go. I'm going to need some coffee. It's empty. Here we go. I, I mean, I told you what the Lord yeah. said to me last week at the beach, <laughs> so we're good. We're all the way in. We're 10 minutes in and we're going deep. My dad, uh, my dad was sick. He, he had a stroke and he was in the hospital and he ended up passing from it. But I remember he was in the hospital for about a week, maybe 10 days, and we were praying. We were praying, believing, listening to worship music. We were singing. I, I remember looking out of the window yeah. and seeing Amanda down in the little garden at the hospital, walking and praying, hands up, singing, believing, you know, contending for his healing, contending for his life, praying like I've never prayed before, not even just out of desperation, but out of true faith. There was something beautiful that was unlocked in that time, yeah. in that really dark, beautiful time. And we lost him. He died. And I remember, I don't remember, I think it was you that said this. There was this weird... It was awesome, then yes, it was. It was awesome. I'm going to give you credit for it. <laughs> what happened to all those prayers? Like, what happened? What we really believed, was it just an exercise of faith? Was it an exercise of belief? And Amanda said this really beautiful thing. And, and, and you can, once she said it, once she put words to this sentiment, I could feel the reality, the truth in it. She said, I, I just can't shake the feeling that every moment of prayer, every time contending and all the time contending in worship for healing, dug a well for us that the Lord's filled up with joy, mm. that he's filled up with energy. I don't just mean like excitement and energy. I mean like the, the, the capacity to continue. That kind of energy. Yeah. Actually, like kinetic yes. energy, actually something. And, yeah. and it made all yeah. the sense in the world. I could feel it. I could feel that not one prayer returned void, not one request, not one moment, mm. even in that sad, dark time where we did and not get what we asked for. None of that went in vain. And I don't think it's just for us. You know, I don't think it's just for Abner and Amanda. I think those prayers dug a well for generations after us. And that's what I'm 
that's what I believe and I'm continuing to believe is that those moments of, you know, of really being on our knees weren't just for us. And uh, yeah. Not even just for my dad, not even right. just for that moment. I feel like that, that time is present when we write songs. It's present when we're with folks. Mm. There's something, it's not, I always, all right, being from Nashville, there's always these bands that are kind of similar that pop up. So when we were on the come up, there was a bunch of duos and in years, in the early years, and now there's kind of duos everywhere. But I remember there was this one duo that really was cashing in on how sweet and like lovely their romance was and how kind of beautiful and perfect. And I think you see a lot of that now. And we've always been anti that. Typically when you see Johnny Swim merchandise, this is one of the rare times mm -hmm. I'm not wearing some, it's got skulls on it. It's kind of dark, it's kind of weird. Because uh -huh. we don't, the, the thought of not leaning into this picture perfect, because that just seems so fake. Like when we talk about forever kind of love, yeah. when we talk to people about finding the person, their spouse, the person they're meant to, to walk this life with, and the generations after them are going to be dependent on, on that one relationship. We don't just talk from this, this time of, oh, everything's been cool. Everything's been great. It worked for us. Here's our 10-step process, being like Johnny Swim. It's like, no, man, we've been in the mud. <laughs> we've dug the well in prayer and requests that weren't answered the way we thought. We've heard the no's. We've seen... Wow. We've seen the tragedy. We've had to wait when we wanted access. We had to wait when we wanted action. And I think even like the skull and bone stuff that we use in a lot of our, our merch is even the romantic side. Like I would never encourage someone to just find a love that was similar to a blossoming flower and how beautiful it is. The kind of love, that's not even what you want. That's not even what you're looking for. Even if you think it is, it's not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is kind of ugly. And it's kind of painful. What you're looking for is someone that success in your relationship, success in me and Amanda's relationship, is this ring being on my finger and a toe tag being on my toe the day I die. That we made it, that we pushed through, not mm. just the time, but that we saw the highs, the lows, the tragedies, the successes. I'm talking too much, man. I'm sorry. You understand the time today. No, no. We're, <laughs> I'm all the way here for this. But that it, there's so much. I remember, God, I'm going to keep it dark. When Amanda's mom passed, I heard I, we were all there, and I remember, yeah. and I won't, you know, I won't overshare, but there was this beautiful moment near the end where her husband's holding her, and she's in pain, and he's looking her in the eye and he says, Look at me, look at me, Adrian, look me in the eye. I love you. I love you. I'm with you. I love you. It was simultaneously the most painful thing I've ever witnessed in my life. And equally the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire life. They existed mm -hmm. at the exact same time. And that's what we signed up for with each other. That's why I believe like those, the moments in prayer, the times of those wells that are dug, those unfulfilled requests, that's where you see the value in them. Not just, and I feel better. Here's some encouragement. But there's something that people need around you too. Mm -hmm. I'll stop well, that's talking. That's what you're gonna find on christianmingle.com. <laughs> <laughs> One day soon, you know. Man, I'll tell you, there is uh, there's something really profound. We talk about prayer a lot around here because we enjoy the conversation. But but there is something about how much better you know the Lord when you don't get what you want when you want it. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Rafi's. 
I know that in a lot of places, kids are prepping to head back to school, but summer is still in full swing and none of us need to be caught without comfortable footwear to finish out the season. Rothy's has got us covered, y'all. Rothy's surveyed thousands of customers and the number one word used to describe their shoes is comfy. I would love to know the number one word y'all would describe me. We'll figure it out someday. What is it that makes Rothy's so good? It's their unique seamless design. It's insanely comfortable as soon as you put them on. And the styles are sustainably made with materials like plastic water bottles. Y'all know I love that. You can toss them in the washing machine whenever they need a little refresh. And they're available in tons of shapes, styles, and colors. So you can always find the one that's right for you. With bestsellers like flats, loafers, and sneakers, along with sandals and an array of colors, their newest styles have something for every outing you've planned. Plus, their spacious washable bags are perfect for summer getaways. I get compliments every single time I wear my Rothy's, and I cannot get over how comfortable they are. And dudes, just in case you thought we'd forgotten about you, Rothy's newly launched men's shoes are intentionally designed with an incredible level of detail, and they're created with nearly zero waste. Rothy's men's shoes are durable, washable, and better for the planet. Plus, rigorous testing during research and development results in a perfect fit wash after wash. So step up that summer wardrobe, you guys, with washable, sustainable, stylish shoes and bags from Rothy's. Just head to rothys.com slash sounds fun to find your new warm weather favorites today. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash sounds fun. And now back to my conversation with Johnny Swim. Okay, so tell me, those wells, when you're thinking about that, how does that play out when you're parenting? How does that play out when you're writing songs? The fact that those wells exist in you, does that affect everything? Absolutely. I'm going to yeah. let you answer that. I was going to say, I don't think that there's any way that mm. they could not affect, because it really does change your makeup. It change, changes how you see everything. Parenting can be very, very hard, um, sometimes because your kids are being mm. weird and sometimes because your kids are being kids. And you have a billion things to do, and you're like ready to jump off a cliff. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, but there's a there's a. Don't uh, do it. Uh, you know that there is a. You know that you have the capacity for it. You know that you're there's the. You know you have the capacity to withstand whatever the pressure is, and you also have the p- capacity to know to surrender when you need to surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of I talk about birth a lot. I had all three of my kids at home. And one thing that before we had our first was, you know, when you get to transition. What's transition? Yeah, what's transition? So transition is like the last phase of birth before you start pushing the baby out. Like you go through all of labor and then. Okay. So you've already had contractions? You've already had contractions for a bunch of time. Now the baby's like basically where it needs to be and you're about to start pushing, but there's like, there's a few, you know, a really short amount of time called transition where you go from just regular labor to like pushing the baby out. So transition is the hardest by far. It is also the shortest part of labor. But every time with all three kids, I would look at Abner and go, I can't do this. I'm done. I can't do it. And he's like, Mm. And every time, either him or my midwife would look me right in the eye and say, you've got it. You're doing great. The baby's almost here. Just keep breathing. You know, just relax. Keep breathing. And there was wow. one of my midwives would just touch me on my forehead right there. Just make sure everything's relaxed, like whatever. Yeah. And it always is the shortest part. Yeah. And then after the baby's born, literally the babies are born like minutes later. But in that moment, you're like, this is wow. horrible. Like, I cannot do this anymore. I'm done. Mm. And that's right right when the baby's about to be born. So for us, you know, in that season, that it, it, it was like that for us in that season with our parents dying and everything else. Like, it was such, like, a amount of pressure that felt like we couldn't withstand it. And then, obviously, 
we did and it made us better and there was so much beauty that came out of it and you know the same thing now with parenting with writing music you know with all that we kind of can tap into that a lot of times when we're in the middle of something like we're making this record you know we're almost done we're almost done with it we've made it during quarantine at home in this very room you can see the little keyboard back there and all the gear whatever everything's been done here it's the first time we've really done it all our all ourselves you know abner's fully producing it you know with two other friends remotely you know that that sort of thing but it's basically been us and like last week we were like uh, we're we're done like we and our manager like oh we're almost ready a couple more songs we're like we are we can't do it anymore i was like i think i gave i think i've given all i can give i don't know that i can do one more song literally one more song and then we looked at each other like transition Transition. this is the part before the the new birth comes (gasps) And all we have to do is relax, let ourselves feel what we're feeling, but relax, and it's going to come out and it's almost over. This means we're almost done. And I yeah. feel like that's that's the case that's with, with so many things. And I honestly, the lessons that I learned in that season where we were digging those wells were the ones that got me. Because honestly, in that season, you know, I can do hard things. That's That was the big thing. Our parents both died the same year. We were, there were so many, there's so much hardship in that year, but also so much joy and beauty, but so much hardship. But it instilled in us this idea of like, we can do it. And not only, we don't have to do it by ourselves. We know where we can go for what we need and we can get through it and it can still be beautiful. And you can look mm-hmm. at hard things and choose them. And that's part of why I even chose to have the babies at home because it instilled in me this thing of going, I can choose hard things that I believe have value, even though I know it's going to be horrible yeah. and kind of yeah. But I also believe in what it's yeah. doing, you know? And that all stems from season of our life. I mean, that transition thing will carry, so many of us are going to carry that in our lives and go like, oh, Mm. so I guess the question is, you need community, I guess, to help you know when it's transition versus when it's labor and when it's birth. That's That's great. Absolutely right. That's exactly right. That's absolutely right. Because by myself, I'm going to quit. Yeah, if it's just me, I think transition means eject. Exactly. Like transition means do whatever you need to do. I'm I'm tapping out, and you do need the people next to you going. You got this. You can do this. We were at the gym mm. yesterday, and there was a girl next to us that was like, "I can't do it," and I was like, "You can do it." And then she looked at me, and I was dying on the floor. She's like, "You can't do it." I was like, "Okay, we got this." And I was laying on the floor <laughs> skipping that workout. I was like, "No." <laughs> we had the community. We had the uh, you know strong women community cheering each other up. It is. Yeah, that's right. You can't see it. It's all, it's kind of outside of you. You know, at some point you get into that primal, yeah. like, fi- you know, fight or flight mode when you're going through the hard times and you just think, I got to, I got to escape. And to have somebody with you that sits with you in the moments that are painful, in the moments you want to escape and go, we're going to keep sitting here. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it together. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. We're going to take deep breaths. Yeah. And there's something new about to be born. Like that's the and reason then, not to yeah. give up is because if you give up, right. the new yes. thing doesn't get born. Right. Okay. God, that's good. Well, if everybody would just go bow their the heads, we're just going to pray out. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. If everybody would just give, give 15%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then let's fast forward to like 2020. Two TV shows on Magnolia. The new book. I mean, are y'all, yeah. are, are the shows fun to do? I imagine it's fun, but it's like real in your grill. I mean, they're like know your life. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the fun thing was the, the first... The first season, um, Home on the Road with Johnny Swim, that was the first season where we were actually on the road and there was a camera crew following us up. But it was it was pretty produced because they had never done a TV show with touring musicians. So we were and like... it's funny, not many people have. It's hard right. to find a production company that's not anything like it. Yeah. And so they would be like, well, hey, when you go to Dallas, 
when you're on tour in Dallas, why don't we take the day before, we'll go to a restaurant the day after, we'll do some B-roll stuff, and then another day. And I was like, I don't think you understand. Like, we're on there tour. Day. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're in Austin the day before. We're in, like, Oklahoma City the day after. You got us for, <laughs> and we got interviews, we yeah. got radio, we got stuff. You've got, like, three hours of us. Yeah. Yeah, as I say, you can have right. lunch until yeah. I start getting exactly. dressed. You got lunch to three. You're getting ready, you changed again. And plus, we have kids. So it's also like there right. was a lot. So we kind of had to like build a tour, like specifically in a way that we could we could shoot the way that they needed to shoot. This because of the pandemic. We're really yeah. proud of it. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Home on the road with Johnny Slim. Awesome. But Show that was definitely harder. That was harder to make. You know what's funny is it seems like it would be like it wouldn't yeah. be that hard because there was so many more. There's so much more control in it, like yeah. from production. Like they yeah. handled everything. Told but us because where to go. there was so much more control, it was harder. It was us. harder for us. Yeah. So then we our second TV show, yeah. show the first two episodes right now on Discovery Plus and the Magnolia app is uh the Johnny Swim show. And the Johnny Swim show happened yeah. because of COVID, because of the pandemic. We were all of a sudden, Amanda and I, since when in those days before we were married, when I had $14, we would say yes to absolutely everything. There was a vineyard in East Hampton uh-huh. that wanted us to come in and do two two-hour sets. For $250. So we spent $350 oh on flights from Nashville. We get another $50 on train. <laughs> we lost money doing this thing to go sing for four hours. That's just what we would do. So that kind of lifestyle, we are dating in our early marriage and our first our time with the first baby, Joaquin, 300 days a year, we were gone. We were on airplanes, buses, cars, anything. Wherever we could go, we're gonna we're gonna say yes to whatever. And so the pandemic was the first time in our actual relationship where we were home for an extended amount of time. The pandemic was the longest I'd been at, uh, I mean, it's easy to say now, it's probably everybody, but it's the longest I'd been in one city since I was like 17 years old, which was only, you know, 21 years ago. Yes. But <laughs> it is what it is. Right. And so the Johnny Swim Show captures us here at home when we couldn't go get adventure and we had to bring some adventure to us. Right. So the, the, the show doesn't cover this right. part, but it was also the first time we were in therapy together. All of a sudden we're in marriage counseling. We're, well, it was like, right after. Yeah, it was right after oh. all that stuff. Oh, for sure. It was... Uh, I know the pandemic was tough for all of us. And I think there's a unique neuroses when you need thousands of people to tell you that you did a good job in order for you to sleep well. And that's absolutely me. That's this guy. Wow. He I, uh, thrives off of I tour didn't, life, you know? Tour life. Let me get a couple thousand people to tell me how great I am. And then <laughs> I'll take a shower and I'll go to bed. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> And I didn't have yeah. it for a year and, and a then half. I'll do it again tomorrow because yeah. I can. Yeah. And there was literally one night I, I have I wear this big hat on stage or I have, and it's right by my bed on a stand. And there was one night where I was, I was really feeling a little extra blue, just feeling pretty down in the middle of the pandemic. And I'm standing in my boxers about to get in bed, and I'm like, babe, this is gonna sound weird, but can you clap for me real quick before I get in bed? And so oh, I put my show hat on. Yeah, why not? She applauded, and I took a bow, a little boxer bow. Yes. Yeah. I put my hat back and I slept like a baby. Yeah, slept like the best sleep in months that night. But the Johnny Swift show covers us being absolutely yeah. neurotic at home. But that one was, it, you know, we had cameras around Man. our house that they positioned cameras in the house. They were never in our house other than if there was like something wrong with some of the gear. Uh, they, they were they called, called robo cams. So yeah, somebody would be in a trailer cams. in the backyard moving the cameras so around. So there was yeah. a trailer in our back driveway. So we like didn't really see anybody. And then we just had us in our little pod filming everything for better or worse you know but uh, it, for us it was so much fun because you know instead of it being like you're going to go here today and then you're going to do this and you're going to talk to this person we've set everything up for you it was like so what are you guys doing we're like i don't know man we kind of i kind of want to buy chickens Abner doesn't want to buy chickens all right cool like 
have a good day. And they would like leave and we would figure it out ourselves and go buy chickens and do whatever we were kind of already planning on doing. And then we got to watch after the fact. And for us, it's super entertaining because there's so much going on that we didn't know about. Like he's building a chicken coop and his mom mm-hmm. is sitting there like, it looks horrible. He is, he's great with guitar. <laughs> and we had no clue that she was saying all this, you know? And so we were watching the show after, we're like, oh, Savage. Marisol's getting Savage on him. Um, so for us, it was a lot more fun. Even though it was more invasive because it was in our home, it was actually less invasive because there wasn't strangers in our house. You know what I mean? It was just kind of us. Right. Us just making sure we don't fart on camera or like curse well, too much. Oh, you did. They, they edited it out. Right, right, right. It just makes sure it gets edited out. Yeah, exactly. We'd always wanted to have a TV show to say it to say it the only way I know how. I remember when we were first married, we lived uh, near Nippers Corner. What's the name of that neighborhood? We lived in a little- Lennox Village. In Lennox Village, man. Yeah, Lennox Village, sure. One bedroom apartment. And uh, I remember we'd watch, we watched a lot of Anthony Bourdain. We watched a lot of travel shows. Yeah. And uh, we dreamt of having a TV show one day. And whatever the show was, our goal was always that it would be honest. There's something when you watch, Mm. you know, Rip, rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain. When you watch some of his old shows and you watch some of these other folks, yeah, Andrew Zimmern, I think, is, is similar. He had that crazy show where he's eating everything. There's this yeah. honesty where you just know these are good people. And you even if you don't know they're good yeah. people, you know they're being honest. You know they're themselves. You feel yeah. that with Chip and Joanna. Yeah. You and I can yeah. we can attest to that. That they Chip is that psycho dude all the time. <laughs> um, he will eat a snakeskin for no reason. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For absolutely. I believe Joanna it. is that sweet and that put together at all times. Like she is. Yeah. Awesome. Like they, they really are. And so even years ago before there was even talks or hopes of a TV show, we knew we wanted one and we knew we wanted to present ourselves honestly. And it's hopefully what we do with the book, hopefully what we do with our albums and our music and our performance, if anything, for better or worse, that it that it be honest, because in honesty, when folks like yourself, folks like us that have some sort of platform, some folks that maybe care what we say, that honesty that if you lead with honesty, somebody is going to feel known somebody's going to feel a little bit less alone. Somebody's going to feel a little bit more hopeful because I'm not the only one in this. I'm not the only one that feels this way. I'm not the only one. Yeah. And to us, it's always been the goal. And I really think, especially with the Johnny Swim show, we it's heart forward, heart on our sleeves for better or worse. And it's honest. And hopefully people that watch it feel known. Hopefully they feel a little bit more hopeful. They feel a little better, about, yeah. a little bit better about their day. Yeah, like literally we had a meeting yesterday for the next season and instead of, you know, it just being like, so what are we going to do? It was, how are you guys feeling? It was like a therapy session. Like, yeah. how are you guys feeling moving into this next part? Let's start with how you're feeling, what you're going through, and then we can figure out with the show, you know, what we actually need to film and when we need to be there to film after that, which is kind of our, yeah. um, our way to go. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to tell you about another amazing partner, Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. And if you're among them, I want you to know that you are not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. I'm happy to report that thousands of women and a lot of y'all have taken back the control of their hair with Nutrafol. And many users raved that the supplement not only transformed their hair, but restored their confidence too. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. Definitely things that are part of many of our daily lives, right? 
Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Like most good things, healthier hair growth takes time, but you'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. More than 1,500 top doctors recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. You can grow thicker, healthier hair, and support the show by going to Nutrafol.com and airing the promo code TSF, like that sounds fun, to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order, y'all. So get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, and the promo code is TSF. And now back to finish our conversation. I want to read you a quote from your own book. Are you ready? Page 191. Because this is what you're talking about, but I also want you to talk about counseling in this a little bit, if you're willing. Absolutely. Because, Abner, you write on this page, I think what happened with us, you're talking about y'all and your manager, Jay, but I think this is really interesting. I think what happened with us from the very beginning was there was was an alignment of our assignments. Mm. And I have been, like, rolling that phrase around an alignment of a side. A, that's what I'm looking for with who I'm looking to partner right. with, with my life, right? Yes. And and it's what I'm looking for with the people that work with me. Right. Right. And yeah. so talk to me about how that works for y'all. And yet you still get to go to counseling. Like it yes. still doesn't mean everything's perfect. And there's still you're still two humans in this. I grew up oh, Southern Baptist. So therapy was always like last ditch resort. Like you never confess. Right. You better come out. Emergency. You come out going to therapy. In Southern Baptist Church, those are both equally bad in a Southern Baptist environment that I grew up in. Right, and uh, therapy it has been like taking vitamins, and it's been it's been like working out for the first Me time too. in three months. Sometimes you want to puke, but you're proud of yourself. Mm. Yeah, like that's therapy for us. You want to puke, but you're proud of yourself. Yeah, but then also, like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> instantly, instantly more connected. Instantly, just talk. Even just the, I remember the first call we had in therapy. By the end of it, we were like cuddling. We were like trying to hook up a little bit, like it instantly, like not just solves Shut problems, that but Zoom it, call off real fast. So like, yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good. Yeah. Next, <laughs> next week, we're gonna go busy. Therapy's <laughs> been amazing. The alignment of assignment. What I love is this. I remember as a young artist in Nashville, waiting for the next for the right manager, lawyer, somebody, somebody's gonna discover me. Because you always hear those stories. Mm-hmm. Elton John was discovered at the Troubadour in West Hollywood. So and so was discovered here, there. Donna was doing a show in Germany and was discovered by this producer and they had a song. Everybody has like their launch story. But that what people don't realize, especially people on the grind, is that that's always in hindsight. That is so mm. rare. And it's not even something you want, but it's all I wanted, right? As a young artist. Yeah. You're looking for that right person, that eagle that's going to swoop you up. It's going to snatch you, swoop you up and carry you to the mountaintop. You're good enough just as you are. You're good enough just like you are. Let me take, let me put you in front of more people. Let me put you, let me just yeah. make you successful. And that's what I wanted. I realized I've seen people with that same desire have the answer yes to their prayer. Send me somebody that's going to take me to the next level. And in my experience, we've been doing this for quite a while now between Nashville and here and having a lot the the the, yeah. the environment change around us quite a bit. The cast of characters, some stay the same. Some are here now, gone right away. Some stick around. Like you see, we've done it for long enough to see the faces come and go and see the few that stay. As far as like other artists pursuing like on the same kind of trajectory 
I would say every artist that's ever found someone they could depend on to take them to the next level that they could just count on. And you watch them like you could almost see it in their countenance. See the look of their face. I've got this guy. He's really going to do it for me. They last zero, like zero more days. That's the beginning of the end. The wow. moment they find somebody wow. they can put all their baggage on that they can say, all right, carry this yes. for me. Take me to the top. That's the beginning of the end. And I think relationally, I think work-wise, what you want isn't somebody that's going to take you. You don't want a Sherpa that's going to just give you a piggyback ride to the top. You want somebody that can face this mountain for what it is. Not In flying, they say it's just as unhealthy for a pilot to feel like nothing's ever going to go wrong as it is for him to think that everything's going to go wrong at every second. Both of those are incredibly dangerous. And I feel it's the ability to look the danger and the potential consequences in the face and have somebody that's going to line right next to you stare at that mountain, know the journey ahead, know that it's hard, know that it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. know that sometimes mm-hmm. when you're looking for success, what you're actually going to find is joy. You're going to find contentment in the middle of sorrow, that there's so many Frodo Baggins moments up ahead of you, but I'm not just going to carry you and you're not going to carry me. We're going to go face this thing together. And that's marriage. That's career. Mm-hmm. And as I'm learning now in COVID, because things get weird in all relationships, that's friendship. That's not just yeah. finding people to make high five. And as a seven, I just want to high five and keep everything happy all the time. But the most valuable- Your girl's thing, a seven too, you know. No, you mean Ellie. We would just have a blast at all times. What and we, forget everything we are supposed to bring with us and yeah, all the things. And it's like, nobody has it. Don't you have it? But finding somebody to align next to you, whether it's in career and relationship in life, like find people that have an alignment of assignment. Like we're, we're going to head up that mountain together because that's what we're called to. That's what we're going to do. For Amanda and I and for Jay, our manager, we know we are called to help people. And, and I know we're in entertainment. We're making TV shows, we're writing books, and we're, we're making albums. And that often is synonymous with selfishness, and it can be a very selfish environment. But we have to constantly remind ourselves that this isn't for us. That we, we literally we actually see what we do as an act of service. Not just like, look at yeah. us serving you. Aren't we serving you well? No, but somebody needs this. Like, these songs, they help me. They're going to help somebody. Yeah. Yeah, you say in the book, we don't sing in cities, we sing for cities. And I was like, let's go. <laughs> Look at you reading the book. You really read it. I don't. <laughs> I wasn't lying. <laughs> but I mean, that is that is an assignment. If yeah. you say I sing for cities, yes. I mean, that means y'all understand you have an assignment that is bigger than the ticket sales. 100%. Absolutely. And I think a, a part of aligning your assignment, alignment in the assignment as well is understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses and knowing I'm not just going to flood him. Like, I'm not gonna be like, you carry the whole thing. And he's not gonna be like, you carry the whole thing. It's, it's a lot of looking at each other. We all have something. We all have something that we're carrying that we're going to get up the mountain together. I've got something to give. You've got something to give. Maybe my, what I'm giving is encouragement. Like a lot of times our manager, I mean, he does, uh, he does so much, but a lot of his work sometimes is just being like, you guys got it. Just, you know, keeping honest, keeping yourself like it's it's that and that helps us get up the mountain. You know what I mean? And then we do what yes. we do in here. And so part of aligning the assignment is understanding each other's gifts, their giftings and weaknesses and getting each other up together. You know, mm. did y'all think about aligning your assignment and that language or that idea when you were dating? Or did that like once you got married and got things rolling, it came along? We uh, the as far as terminology, all I had in my mind was, yes, ma'am, whatever you want. Yeah, 
I'm here to provide. I'm still trying to use that with like mm -hmm. laundry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the we story dating. you tell, Abner, where you were sitting with the girl you were dating and, and yeah, Amanda stands up and you said, that's the girl I'm going to marry. And your girlfriend <laughs> said, well, then you better go talk to her. Yeah. That is no uh, joke, right. man. That is for real. That was a Bethel World Outreach Center in Brentwood, Tennessee. <laughs> that really oh, I loved happened. It. I'll never forget. Yeah. She was wearing a white sweater. She had her hair all curly. She stood up near the front. I mean, it was perfect. Uh, Amanda, yeah. before we were dating, we were kind of, you know, we were a little more than friends, but we weren't quite dating yet. She had just gotten out of a serious relationship, so I was trying to be patient. She asked me, you know, I think I just told her. I think I offered it. I was like, listen, just so you know, like, I'm, I'm here. Like, whatever you need, if you need somebody mm -hmm. to support you, as you figure out your romantic life and like what you're getting through, I'll be that dude. I'll be your friend. I'm happy to be your friend. Wow. If you want to get married tomorrow, I'll be that guy as well. So early on, it, there was a lot of, uh, I'll, I'll call it addiction. I was freaking and still am <laughs> quite addicted yeah. to my wife. But I think we learned early on, especially both of us being broke. Both of us, she had left a really uh, moderately successful modeling career in New York City to, yeah. to have a moderately successful barista career at, at Starbucks in Nippers Corner. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I was a P.F. Chang's food runner because I, I wasn't disciplined enough to be a waiter because I didn't want to have The one at Vanderbilt? No, the one at uh, P.F. Chang's in Cool Springs. Oh, got it. Okay. Right next to Discipleship Starbucks is what we always called it. You yeah, walk in, for sure. For I'm, sure. Somebody's with their mentor at 555 Cool Springs Boulevard. Right. I think early on what we did realize, and I don't know that we use this term either, but we realized that life's a lot like cooking Italian food or like making mm -hmm. gumbo sometimes. We're like, when I'm making baguettes or I'm making croissants, it's very specific. The temperature. Humble brag. Humble brag. When I'm making I mean, some right. Listen to me make baguettes and croissants. Okay, Abner, we see you. Okay. <laughs> when, you, when you're making French food or when you're baking, like everything's really meticulous. You know ahead of time, this is the exact amount of yeast that's going on this thing, the exact amount of butter, this is the exact temperature I wanted up for exactly how long. Da, da, da. When you're making Italian food, when a man is cooking here at home, we got a garden in the back. She knows where that those tomatoes came from. She knows what that basil tastes like. Let's figure it out. We know we trust the ingredients to make mm. the thing work well. And you taste it as you go. Oh, you know what? This needs a little more salt. Maybe it needs a little more basil. Maybe it needs whatever. But you trust the ingredients. And one thing we learned early on was to trust the ingredients. It's more like cooking Italian food than French food in our life. We're going to yeah. taste it as we go. We're going to work on these ingredients. We're going to make sure that soil's good, that this thing's growing in, and we'll know if something's growing in bad soil or something that really shouldn't be ate in the first place. We're going to add the right ingredients, and it's going to look different day to day, but we're going to trust ourselves. We're going to be flexible. We're going to bend before we break. At the end of the day, we're just going to make some good food, have a good time. It's a river. Yes. So many I mean, analogies. I hope everybody's trying. You have Oh, people are taking notes. People are crying. People are telling people to listen. I can tell you what everyone's doing at the grocery store on the treadmill. They're like, they were just my favorite band, and now they're my favorite preachers. <laughs> Y'all, that's so good. Okay, so then when's the album come out? Ooh, we don't know. The album comes out October-ish. October. -ish. Okay. We know we're going to put out a first yeah. song, middle of August. I'm going to tell you what the song is. It's a song called Slow. Okay. So we... We didn't write with a lot of people for this album, and we didn't work with any other producers, really. There's one song with, with a dear friend of ours, Malay, and there's this guy named Harold Brown that we worked uh -huh. with on, on three songs right now on the album. And Harold, we wrote this first song. It's called Slow. It'll be the first release. We just shot a music video for it. Very excited. Uh, I've been, I think, during this, not to get political, we'll see where this goes. Hey, it's not live, right? We can edit whatever we want. You can edit whatever you. you want. You're allowed to be you here. Every time you come here, you're allowed to be you. Oh, I like that. I like that. So, so it's not like home. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, worship music has been a little triggering for me in this season, like politically, 
because it feels like so many evangelical Christians have like really let me down and how we handle social yeah. injustice, um, COVID, all this stuff. Uh, I just I've, I feel weird about a lot of stuff. I heard this worship song about halfway through uh, through the COVID experience of 2020. It's a really well-known yeah. worship leader named Pat Barrett and this other guy yeah. named Harold Brown. And lightning rocked my world. We were sitting in this room the first time I heard it. I screamed for Amanda. Man, you got to come hear the song. Come, come hear the song. And we sat, we played it on repeat like seven or eight times. Yeah. Yeah. Wept. It, it talked about social justice. Talked about the presence of God. It was like what I wanted out yeah. of a worship song. And so I had, I, I knew I had acquaintances with Pat Barrett. And, and somebody had to know Harold. Somebody had yeah. to know this guy. And so I went way out of, out of my way to go hunt this dude Harold down. Sure. And we became fast friends. We wrote a few songs for the album, and this all that to say, this first song, Slow, is uh, our music baby with Harold, the guy that wrote Lightning and, and produced and all that stuff, a guy that, that made a lot of music over the pandemic that's rocked my world. Um, so I'm really, really excited for people to hear Slow, yeah. the first single of our self-titled fourth album, Johnny's Okay, yes. <laughs> and I, I mean, Pat Barrett can can bring some words. I mean, yeah. that no, guy, he's, yeah. he's, he's good. Amazing. Okay, that reminds me, one of the things that was I was like, bossed around to ask y'all about the song marietta i'm from marietta georgia is that what it's about is it about marietta georgia it's about marietta florida it's a the west side of jacksonville has a little suburb i hate even call it suburb a little a little place called marietta duval county was a bunch where jacksonville is duval was a bunch of cities until like the 70s and in the 70s they consolidated all the cities within duval county into one city became jacksonville florida and at the time it was the largest city literally in the world land wise because it was all these towns marietta was one of them that became jacksonville all of duval county is jacksonville florida so marietta is where i grew up on the west side of jacksonville i grew up five blocks from the rodeo uh, i grew up in a town out of seven when we moved when we moved there six when we moved there um when i was 24 we were dating or we were married dating right around then i remember we were visiting my mom and dad at the time in jacksonville in marietta I was going for a jog and I had, you know, a good old boy with a rebel flag in the back of his truck chasing mm-hmm. me around the neighborhood I grew up in, asking oh me what business I had doing there. Uh, we had a we had a burning cross in our front yard in the first few weeks of living in that neighborhood. Gosh. Marietta is still where my mom lives. So God bless her. If y'all are Marietta and you're hearing this, she loves you. We love you. Uh, yeah. Everybody keep everybody safe. That song, Marietta, is about where I grew up and really my love-hate relationship with it, how there's been a lot of unfairness. I think towards my family, but there's also been a lot of kindness and a lot of grace and things way past, way past kind, like whatever the opposite of unkind is, like being so yeah. not just kind, but really giving. And some of the best people in the world are there, too. And so I've always loved I've, I've always been interested in how where I grew up makes me feel because I'm not the guy that's repping yeah. it all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. The Easter egg in it. Are you, are you, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm, I can keep talking all The that. Easter egg of that song, too, is that his dad was a poet, and his, his parents came from Cuba in 1981 on the Muriel Boat Lift. Like they, 1980. They, 1980, sorry. Uh, you know, they escaped Cuba, but he absolutely loved, like, Cuba, he would talk about, like, a woman that he, like, couldn't be with, that he was taken away from, mm. this beautiful woman that he could never have again, and he would write poetry about Cuba as if it was a woman. And so yeah. when we were working on the last album, and we were kind of talking about, he was, you know, talking about his hometown and all these feelings that he feels. It's like, I feel like we need to take a dad moment and honor your dad by you writing a song about your hometown, even though it's not the love of your life, 
but the yeah. way that she still draws you in, the way that she can still get a rise out of you, I feel like you need, you know, we need to have a song about. And so that's the Easter egg that it was kind of like an homage. In the style of my dad's poetry. In the poetry. style of his dad's poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Man, those Easter eggs, I'm always here for those. So y'all can always <laughs> share those with me. Okay, y'all, we're out of time. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we talk? I mean, I have a hundred more things I want to talk to you about, but. I ask me two more questions. Can you ask me two more? I know you got other things. I want to hear two more things. Two more questions. Okay, two more questions. Okay. How does music affect the place where you are in? Because in Christianity, we talk a lot about the atmosphere, right? Yeah. We talk about how atmosphere changes. I've been at y'all, y'all shows. I've seen the hat, Abner, I know. <laughs> but so what is it? What is it that happens in a room when everybody's singing the same thing? It's something we learned growing up in church, man, that the you activate the supernatural by the physical act of opening your mouth and letting it sound out. Ooh, That's not just science. You are activating the supernatural. When you open your mouth to sing a worship song with a room full of people, you're activating your faith. You're activating, you're, it's literally a spiritual activation in that room. And that rule doesn't just apply to songs that called How Great Thou Art. They're not just, they don't just apply to corporate worship settings. Say it. One thing we've seen, in this case, we are scientists that have tested, tested and seen this is true. No matter where you are, you can tap into the supernatural by the physical act of opening your mouth and singing. We believe that when we get folks to sing along with us, when people walk into a Johnny Swim show, maybe hurt physically, maybe hurt relationally, maybe feeling like they want to give up in life, give up at, at the pursuit they have, whether it's relational or dream or whatever, we believe that as they walk in and we together activate the supernatural, they will walk out different, that there is the mm. potential of your limp going away. You could walk in about to break up with your spouse and walk out more in love than you've ever been, not because of us, but because we believe that it's a universal law. That music itself taps into the supernatural that you can, with your attitude in the environment, you can change everything around you. So we expect, truly expect miraculous outcomes every room we're in, whether it's a bar, whether it's Lakewood Church in Houston, whether folks are drunk and doing cocaine in the balcony, which happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we've seen and we've pointed yeah. out and been like, please stop doing cocaine at a Johnny Swim show. <laughs> uh, Our children are backstage. Please stop. <laughs> That's what we believe singing Four Cities is about. I think one thing that we talk about a lot is uh, that we don't see shows as us communicating with people. We don't even see it as just community of people getting together. We, we see each show as communion, that it's time that we get to partake wow. in something that's bigger than all of us. And so we go into every show in every city seeing it as a time of communion together. And, and so that's, yes. I, for me, it's that's holy. what, yeah, it's a, it's a holy moment where we get to be together and we're asking God to, to, to meet us. I know us on stage, whatever the authority that's given to us as we stand on that stage, we, we ask for an open heaven as we sing, as we sing yeah. together, as we're in that place partaking, because we're partaking as well. Like there's plenty of times where like, we're singing something and we're like, oh, I needed yeah. that, you know? I yeah. mean, we're, yeah. we're I, I get to listen to him sing every night. I'm just like, mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I made good choices somehow. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, we, we see it as communion. And I feel like for, you know, going in and saying, what does it mean to sing for a city? To me, it's yeah. communion with that city as we play shows. Yes. I know we're out of time. That felt good. No, I, listen, I got one more. Now I've got two more. That's the problem, Abner. You opened it up. You opened yeah, it up. I'm okay, so when our friends are seeing you on TV or when they pick up your book, Home Sweet Road, when they listen to your music, when they're sitting in the audience, if they think, I would love to pray for Abner and Amanda, what do you want people Ooh, praying for? What do you want? More money. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Say uh, it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, mean it, the easiest question and the, like, the, the easiest answer in every season is just going to be 
for me is what's it's always going to be more of God, more of mm. the truth of who God is, more of the truth of who I am um, with him, more, just more of him always, because that covers a lot of bases. You know what I mean? So if there's yeah. one thing it covers a lot of bases. Wow. That's good. What's one thing you can for us about? I think, yeah, more man. Yeah. Cause they're going to do it. So yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. I like I that. I think, you know, I think going through, I, I was raised in a Christian home, going to Christian schools my whole life. And, you know, you get to your thirties and well, for me, it was my thirties and around the time where our, the season where we're losing parents, whatever, and you're struggling with so many things that you've learned and like, wait, do I really believe in that? And I, this was the theology I was taught. And I actually think my theology aligns more here and you're doing a lot of shuffling. And I feel like in the shuffle, the one thing for me has always been like, what do I know for sure is true? And wow. so, and I want more of that. And so that's always like, if ever I feel like my, my, what is this? My meter is like going mm. crazy or my, what is it? The weather vane is twisting around yeah. towards the true north. I just kind of go, okay, what are the few things that I absolutely know are true? And the, the truest thing that I know is how near God is to us. And, and obviously how real he is, which sounds so kind of trite, but wow. um, the great cloud of witnesses speaks to me often about that. Mm. So in all the, all my TikTok journeys of understanding, uh, I'm on a, t- a lot of TikTok journeys, so I should probably digress from that. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, I think just more more of the truth of who he is is always Ooh. I think what I'm, and just let me dive right in, dive right. Yeah. If, if we are a lake, that's the lake I want to be in. That's so right. If I'm gonna that's play right. in a lake, it's gonna be that one. Yeah, that's man. Right. I want us. I, I I pray for us at every show. And if, if anybody were to join with us in this prayer for us on our behalf, that truly wherever the feet, the soles of our feet shall tread would be holy ground. That wherever, yeah. whether that's on TV, whether that's, that's on this podcast, whether that's at the House of Blues Boston, physically, wherever it is, that the Holy Spirit would show up however, however it pleases him to do so. Mm. Yeah. That we would never be just Johnny Swim, the band, the act, the artist influencers that we would always be in pursuit of being grow and being johnny swim the presence of god bringers yeah yes uh johnny swim the presence of god bringers <laughs> lord have mercy <laughs> that was beautiful uh, and that makes me feel terrible about our last question because it's very light and breezy here's what we always ask at the very end because the show is called that sounds fun tell me what y'all do for fun I fly no, I airplanes for fun. He flies airplanes for fun. Oh, it makes me so happy. Have you seen Luca yet, that Disney movie? Yes. Oh, so there's that scene, they build the Vespa, and they, they yes. fail the turns, he, but then they finally get the ramp on the turtle, and they launch, and everything slows Silencio down. Bruno. Silencio <laughs> Bruno! I am terrified of heights. I am scared of heights. Oh. Flying isn't just like the natural next step for me. Flying, especially for the first several months, has been waking up knowing I'm going to fly that day, and knowing I'm terrified, hmm. like literally I felt my, my legs shake, but there's this moment and it happens every single time I'm in the air. It happened today several times where you take off and, you know, you feel you do all the tests to make sure the plane's right, to make sure you can trust it to do what it's meant to do. Then you go, they say nine or nine or zero Bravo, you're clear for takeoff. And I say clear for takeoff. And every time I say, let's go to the sky, let's go to the sky. Uh, but it feels just like Luca. It feels like that moment. All of a sudden you get in the sky and it feels like everything slows down. It's like stress is so far below you. And it only, I feel like it happens for me because it does come a little bit from facing a fear. Well, Amanda, for starters, tell us what sounds fun to you. 
Uh, honestly, I, I was really trying to soul search there, but honestly, eating food and being on TikTok. Are- <laughs> My for you page right now is crushing, and uh, that sounds like fun to me. Oh, usually because it's also there's like silence and there's like nobody asking me for a snack or anything, so I can kind of just like yeah. Like eating fun. and being on TikTok. I, I like that. Be on TikTok. Those are good answers, my friend. Hey, listen, y'all, thank you for making time for this. This has been such a gift thank to you. my heart. I'm so thank thankful. You know, thank you for having us. Can we do this oh, once a week? Listen, you, right? you'll be our therapist. You better believe. No, I don't know about that, but I'll be your friend. I promise you that. We're on the same team. Bye. I love that. I love it. You guys, how much do you love Amanda and Abner? I know. Me too. Me too. I like smiled that whole episode. What a gift it was. I'm so thankful for them. If you haven't already, make sure you grab a copy of Johnny Swim's new book, Home Sweet Road, and check out the next season of their show, Home on the Road with Johnny Swim. Make sure you're following them on all the social media places so you can tell them thanks for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I'll do the same. Have a great couple of days. We are back here with you on Wednesday, y'all, with one of my heroes, no kidding, podcaster, author, co-host of the Men in Blazers. We're going to talk some soccer. Y'all are going to love it. Roger Bennett is with us on Wednesday. We'll see you guys then. Yeah.